Let us pray this morning. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, um, we praise you, Lord, for your goodness, and we praise you for this continued uh, testimony of the book of Acts that we've been able to dig into this fall. And uh, Lord, we ask for your continued wisdom and guidance as we seek to better understand um, what your scriptures say about the church and about your Holy Spirit. And Lord, we pray um, that you would help us better understand how we can live in partnership with the Holy Spirit and pay attention to the Holy Spirit in our own lives. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so how many of you can look back at your lives and name maybe three or four defining events that brought you to where you are today? Maybe, maybe your place in life, maybe this part, this geography, maybe Story City. How many of you think you could name three or four like life-defining moments from your past? You can just raise your hand. I'm not going to ask you to share what they are. Yeah, a fair amount of you. Um, I have some of those in my life as well, and it strikes me how much those things are tied together when we have no idea at the time that they're going to be tied to something else, right? And a couple of those things in my life, and I've talked about some of these in the past, but one of those defining moments in my life, I would say, was when I went to work at Riverside as a junior counselor in high school. That was a moment, that was a summer that drastically like, reoriented and changed the course of my life. I went into that summer in a rut, lacking a foundation, and I came out of that summer uh, passionate about the gospel of Jesus, which is great. Um, for any of you that ever have an opportunity to work at Riverside, that's a thumbs up. There's an endorsement there for me. Um, another one of these experiences in my life uh, that I've talked about a lot, especially with the Holy Spirit, is... Uh, when I was able to hang out uh, with some vineyard pastors and the Vineyard Church in Waverly near uh, Wartburg College where I went to college. And um, these were people that lived out this attentiveness to the Holy Spirit in a way that I had never experienced growing up in the church. One of the reasons that I talk about it a lot and am passionate about it, and as is my wife and Pastor Kurt, and there's, um, there's this reality, this vibrancy that came to my faith because I learned that the Holy Spirit wanted to bring that, and I began to be aware of that. And those things were connected. You know, the second thing wouldn't have come without the first thing. The, the, the openness to the Holy Spirit wouldn't have come without the foundation that I got at Riverside and the foundation that my parents gave me growing up. And then fast forward a little bit farther down the road to seminary, uh, I wouldn't have ended up at that seminary without my experience in the Vineyard Church. I wouldn't be back in the Lutheran Church today without that seminary experience that I wouldn't have been in without the Vineyard Church that I wouldn't have been at without my foundations from Bible Camp, right? You see how this all works together. And that's just my life. And those are just a few of the big things that explain why I am here today. <clears throat> but they really do connect. And as I've looked at these pieces of Acts that we've studied this fall, um, it is clear that God ties things together in the same way in his story. God's story, all of these big and small and seemingly um, unnecessary things that the scriptures might tell us at times, especially as we get back into the histories and the Levitical codes and the duplicate records of the histories from book to book, all of the things tie together. God's story connects from piece to piece to piece to piece. And that's one of the things that I hope confirmation students learn to understand as we look at an overview of the Bible, right? 
We want them to know why Leviticus actually matters through the lens of Jesus Christ. We want them to know why the Psalms matter through the lens of Jesus Christ. And then afterwards, how does the early church matter through the lens of Jesus Christ? And how does being part of a church today matter through the lens of Jesus Christ? So these pieces of Acts are tied to every other piece of God's story. The historical story of Israel and God's covenant with Abraham and with Noah and with many others, the law of God seen in the Ten Commandments, it connects to that. It connects to the promised Messiah, Jesus Christ. And then Jesus, his his birth and his life and his ministry, it connects. Jesus' death for our sins, big connection to what is happening in the book of Acts. And even more so, the resurrection of Jesus Christ. The fact that he didn't stay in that tomb And people noticed, and people saw him alive even though he had been killed. And people saw him ascend into heaven, even they knew, even though they knew, they knew the history, they had seen, they had walked with him, they had experienced him. All of these things tie together. And then the Holy Spirit comes to dwell in Jesus' followers. And that is certainly tied together too. It's all connected, it's all important. And I say that so that we understand that we're part of the same connection as the body of Christ today. Our lives and our time is not disconnected from everything that God has done up and through the book of Acts and everything that God has done to keep his church intact and well over the last 2,000 years. We are part of the same story. We are connected to it. And so today, um, this is kind of a recap sermon. This is a recap piece uh, going back over some of the main themes uh, on how we've seen the Holy Spirit work in the book of Acts and how that's relevant to us today. So I have five main themes that we're going to remember and recall here from our time together this fall. The first one is this. The Holy Spirit fills and empowers believers. And this is an important thing because If you're like me, much of your life, even though you would say, I'm a Christian or I was a Christian, much of your life didn't feel empowered and full of the Holy Spirit. Been there, done that, got the t-shirt, right? In Pentecost, Acts 2, 1 through 4, and I'm going to read some of these major scriptures that go with these points. Uh, So Acts 2, 1 through 4, when the day of Pentecost arrived, they were all together in one place, and suddenly there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind. And it filled the entire house where they were sitting and divided tongues as a fire appeared on them and rested on each one of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Again, this is connected to us. Maybe we haven't had that exact Holy Spirit experience, but this Holy Spirit empowered and fueled reality is our story too. It's not just the story of those early believers in the book of Acts. And why wouldn't we want to be filled with the Holy Spirit, right? This is very encouraging. This is very encouraging. Why wouldn't we want to be filled with the power of God and the supernatural love and grace and empowerment that helps us to do the things, uh, what Kendra talked about last week, uh, that helps us to do kingdom gospel things in a fearless way. Why wouldn't we want to be able to see the world and people through the eyes of Jesus so that we could more effectively minister to them and love them regardless of their history and of ours? This is our reality of the church, and I hope we come to experience that more and recognize that more working in our midst. 
And we pray that for the whole body of Christ, not just for here at Emmanuel. And then we see this filling and empowering of the Holy Spirit with Peter in Acts 4, 7 through 10. I'm going to read that section for you. When they had set them in the midst, they inquired, by what power or by what name did you do this? This is after the healing that Peter and John did at the beautiful gate. And Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, rulers of the people and elders, if we are being examined today concerning a good deed done to a crippled man, by what means this man has been healed, let it be known to all of you and to all the people of Israel that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, whom God raised from the dead, by him this man is standing before you well. So Peter's in this sort of interrogation in front of the Sanhedrin, and God fills him with his spirit and gives him the words. The words to be bold, the words to speak truth, not the words to just get him out of a tough circumstance or to shy away from the reality of what God had just done in their midst. He is able to faithfully witness to the truth and boldly witness to the truth, but do so in an articulate way because he's been filled with the Holy Spirit. And God makes him fearless, and we see this over and over again in the book of Acts. And we see it with Stephen, and we see it with uh, other people who really laid their life and their ministry down for the faith in the early church. So the Holy Spirit fills and empowers believers. That's one big thing, and that's for all of us. It connects to all of us. Uh, The second thing is the Holy Spirit heals. There are things physically, spiritually, mentally, emotionally, that God can and wants to do through the power of the Holy Spirit that I would call healing, and that some of you have experienced this healing. Peter and John, again, at the beautiful gate, Acts 3, 6 through 8. Peter tells this man, this crippled man, silver or gold I do not have, but what I do have I give you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, walk. Taking him by the right hand, he helped him up, and instantly the man's feet and ankles became strong. He jumped to his feet, he began to walk, and then he went with them into the temple courts, walking and jumping and praising God. This is like a Jesus story, right? This is something that Jesus did in his life and ministry, and now because it's the same Holy Spirit that filled Jesus, Jesus' followers are able to do as well. The healing and the miraculous work of Jesus continues when the Holy Spirit comes upon his church. And again, this connects to us. This is our reality too. Healing can look different. It's not always physical, but sometimes it is. And sometimes we are blown away by that testimony when we get to hear what has happened in our midst, or we get to see, or we get to hear what has happened to a friend or a fellow church member. And sharing these stories, witnessing about these stories, when we do experience the Holy Spirit in this way, um, we should share those. It is really encouraging to everybody else um, if we share the way that God has worked, especially when we experience healing through the power of the Holy Spirit. So that's another big one. The Holy Spirit heals. Again, we see this consistently through the book of Acts. The next one is that the Holy Spirit provides unity for God's people, true community. The early church gatherings that we read about in Acts give us a snapshot of this, a picture of this. Um, This wasn't a sort of like tribalism that we have in the church today. 
how many hundreds of denominations we've talked about in the past exist across the globe, right? There's this camp and 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 this camp, and we all say we're Christian, but a lot of times we have a hard time finding unity, which is troublesome because the Holy Spirit brings unity. So the early gatherings in Acts, this is Acts 2, 42 through 47, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship with one another, to the breaking of bread and the prayers. And awe came upon every soul. Many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together, worshiping together, and breaking bread in their homes, having meals together, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. So this gives us a snapshot of what unity in Christ looks like. They experienced something firsthand that they had never experienced before, and that was because they had this unity given by the Holy Spirit around the person of Jesus Christ, around the fact that this was actually the Messiah they had been waiting for and did actually die for their sins and was actually raised from the dead. They have this commonality. Um, I, I remember seeing a video clip a couple of years back. It talked about uh, sort of the third world Christian church uh, some, of the, some of the roadblocks maybe they had in understanding what goes on in the Western world or in the United States. And here, here when we find out somebody's a Christian, it doesn't give us this unity automatically. It's like we have to dig deep and we have to ask questions and figure out which camp they're in or what they think about this theology or what they think about this theology. And it's important to discern those things. But if a Christian in the persecuted church of Myanmar find somebody that is also a Christian in the persecuted church of Myanmar, guess what? They are closer than blood. That is what the Holy Spirit does in the body of Christ. And I think we could learn a lot from that witness, right? We can experience this unity that we are a family. We are a family that has no, like, geographical bounds, that has no worldly bounds. It is in Christ, and it is through the power of the Holy Spirit. So this is a unity that we want to experience more because it's what we gather around and there's some things that we might think and see differently. That's fine. But Jesus Christ can unify us. And it doesn't mean we are uniform. It doesn't mean we all look the same, act the same, think the same, talk the same. But if our eyes are fixed on Jesus Christ and we're open to the work of the Holy Spirit, I think this is something that we can experience. A deeper, common passion in our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. So the Holy Spirit provides this in Acts and can provide it for us today too. The next one is that the Holy Spirit fuels the gospel. The purpose of the early church wasn't to sit around together and never grow. But there's this gospel proclamation that needs to be taken from village to village to town to town to city to country to country. And we see that being done by these early apostles in the book of Acts. We are a church with a purpose they realized it, and we can be encouraged by what we've read in the book of Acts. The Holy Spirit fuels the Great Commission, fuels the gospel. We are entrusted with the good news, which is also the best news that the world could ever hear, that God loves us. 
that God has made a way for us to be restored to him through faith in Jesus Christ. And our lives don't need to be governed by guilt and shame and sin and brokenness. There's a new king of our lives and our hearts, and that's Jesus Christ, and that, friends, is the gospel. And the Holy Spirit fuels us today, just as it fueled the apostles in the early church then, to be torchbearers and proclaimers of this good news. And the world really, really needs to hear that. This king of our hearts, Jesus, is good, and he loves us, and he gets us, And he knows our history, yet he still loves us and gets us and forgives us and welcomes us to experience true life through the power of the Holy Spirit. So the Holy Spirit fuels the gospel. May this be true of us today, just as it was of the early church in Acts. And then the last thing I want to touch on that Kendra talked about a little more in depth last week is that the Holy Spirit specifically and intentionally guides us. The Holy Spirit specifically and intentionally guides us. In Acts 8, we heard of the Ethiopian eunuch that was in a carriage traveling from point A to point B, and we hear of Philip's willingness to listen and to follow the prompting of the Holy Spirit to go have a conversation with this man. And he does. And because of it, the kingdom of God grew. A very specific prompt, a very specific result This eunuch, this this Ethiopian, came to understand the scriptures about Jesus through the lens of Jesus. And he put his faith in Jesus Christ as his Messiah, as his Savior. He believed the good news of Jesus Christ because Philip was willing to follow the leading of the Holy Spirit. In Acts 8, 39, when they came up out of the water, this is after the Ethiopian had been baptized, the Spirit of the Lord carried Philip away, and the eunuch saw him no more, but he went on his way rejoicing. His realization that Jesus was the one that he had been waiting for and studying in the scriptures gave him an immense immense amount of joy because Philip had taken the time to listen to what the Holy Spirit was saying And gave him some understanding. So this is an intentional and a specific guiding of the Holy Spirit that Philip encounters. And the kingdom grows because of it. And Kendra's argument last week and my argument today is that the Holy Spirit can still do that in our lives. And like Kendra said, we sometimes need to make a little space to pay attention, don't we? Because our lives are really full. And often full of good, good things. But we want to be attentive to the Holy Spirit, specifically and intentionally guiding us. And again, if you're anything like me, I spent years of my life believing that the Holy Spirit did that, but just not through me, (laughs) right? How many of you have ever felt that way? You don't have to raise your hand. How many of you feel like, yes, God does incredible things through the Holy Spirit, but he just does it through these people and he doesn't do it through me? I felt that way for years. It It took me years of hanging around with people that believed it to actually experience it. And, and I don't know what that process necessarily looked like in my heart, behind the scenes, what God was doing. I wanted to experience the Holy Spirit in that way, but I just assumed for some reason that God wasn't going to do that with me. And, and I don't want you to think the same thing that I did, because it wasn't true. doesn't mean it's going to happen on our terms. That's not the point. But the Holy Spirit did and did begin to do things in my life and in the life of those around me that 
really, really rang true to this, that the Holy Spirit intentionally and specifically guides us. And these Holy Spirit things, these Holy Spirit appointments that Kendra called them, they're not just for the pastors or the Sunday school teachers or the people that somehow feel like they have a call to vocational ministry. It's for the whole body of Christ. Don't disqualify yourself from what the Holy Spirit wants to do in your life. Don't sit out on the sidelines. It's for the whole body of Christ. And we read about what happens with the apostles. That is just one very small fraction of what the Holy Spirit was doing through hundreds and eventually thousands of people in the early church in the book of Acts. They weren't isolated experiences. They were part of what the Holy Spirit did in all the believers. The Holy Spirit isn't just around to fill and guide someone else. That's what it boils down to. He's around to fill and guide you too. So embrace that. Believe that this morning. So these are the five, I call them meat and potato themes, and I had to work on not saying that too much in this message because you might be hungry, and it's Thanksgiving, it seems cliche, but these are the meat and potato themes of the first eight to nine chapters of Acts. The Holy Spirit fills and empowers believers. The Holy Spirit heals The Holy Spirit provides unity, true community for God's people. The Holy Spirit fuels the gospel, and the Holy Spirit specifically and intentionally guides. And so what does this all boil down to for us? Hopefully you've made some connections. I tried to make some connections with each one of these. But what does it boil down to for us? If if we're to be a church and a people that are followers of Jesus, truly and intentionally following Jesus with our lives, We're going to be a Holy Spirit-filled church, empowered and led by God's power through the Holy Spirit. This is the way of Jesus. This is the way that, that Jesus decided to act in and amongst his people after his ascension into heaven. This is the promise that he gave his people that we continue to receive the fruits of today. And if we're going to be a church and a people that are followers of Jesus truly, We're going to grow, and sometimes we're even going to see miracles, and we're going to see people turn to know the Lord Jesus Christ for the first time, and we're going to see people who have wandered far away come back and re-experience that grace and that love that they find in Jesus that hopefully, hopefully we have experienced ourselves. If we're going to be a church like this early church in the book of Acts, That's what we're going to see. This is my dream for Emmanuel. This is my dream for my own heart and my own life. To be a Holy Spirit-filled and empowered and led people. Just like we read in the pages of Acts. And so wherever you find yourself today, um, I just simply ask you to be willing to have an open heart and cooperate with Jesus' work in you to live a life excited about the gospel, excited about what Jesus has in store for you and for your neighbor and for your family and your friends, a life that is excited about where the Holy Spirit may lead you and reveal things to you in the days to come. This is the testimony of the church in Acts, and I pray that it would be ours too. So let's pray. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, um, we um, are incredibly thankful that you've revealed yourself to us in these pages of the scripture. 
We're incredibly thankful, Lord, that after Jesus' resurrection, we as your church don't find ourselves alone without a Savior. But Lord, you have very lovingly and intentionally chosen to fill us with your Spirit. We pray we wouldn't take that fact for granted. And I pray, Lord, we wouldn't be tempted to uh, take that truth and take it down a path that is unholy. Lord, would you guide us and show us the path of eternal life? Would you show us and guide us in a way that is consistent with Jesus' love and life and ministry? And Lord, for any of us in this room today feeling disqualified, like this isn't for us for some reason, I pray, Lord, that you would touch us with your grace. That even right now, maybe, we would experience your Holy Spirit's presence. And Lord, that you would remind us that this is actually for us too. That you have a heart that wants all to come to know the Savior, Jesus Christ. And then to live changed, fuller lives here on earth. And so, Lord, this is our prayer today. Would you fill us with your spirit? Would you lead us and guide us according to your will and according to your ways and according to Jesus? Would you do it all in the holy and powerful name of Jesus Christ? Amen.